Welcome to Cybersecurity Insights and Perspectives. I'm your host, Kevin Green. Today we have industry experts with the insights and perspectives on the latest cybersecurity news that affects your agency and organization. Today we have Tim Teitelbaum, Chairman, CEO, and Co-Founder at Grammatech. Good day, Tim. How are you doing? Uh, good. How are you, Kevin? I'm doing awesome. I think we have a lot of great things to discuss today around uh, R&D in the area of cybersecurity. I think you know, the work you're doing at Grammatech uh, kind of speaks volumes to the need to uh, create forward-leaning capabilities to innovate what we're doing around cyber. Welcome to have you on. Uh, thanks for having me. Tim, recently Grammatech teamed with UVA and were finalists on the DARPA Grand Challenge, uh, where there were over 100 teams consistent of top researchers and hackers in the world. Essentially, the challenge was, was to be able to create uh, some type of cyber reasoning system to automatically identify software flaws, scan purpose-built systems, so forth and so on. And basically, you guys were scored on a number of things, the capability of the system to protect hosts, scan for network vulnerabilities, and maintain the correct functions of software. What was the experience like? What did you learn and discover that you can share with the listeners about the world's first all-machine hacking challenge? One thing was fuzzing in conjunction with symbolic execution. Most of the teams had a similar approach to try and make use of fuzzing and symbolic execution because you had to find vulnerabilities and you had to find proofs of vulnerabilities. You had to find the input that could, in fact, uh, trigger the, uh, the vulnerability and effectively be an exploit. Uh, you had to be able to patch it. Uh, uh, if you if you had found it, otherwise you had to be able to install cross-cutting uh, general-purpose defenses. So that was another example of need, the need to transform executables uh, that stripped executables with no help from source code or symbolic uh, uh, information like a debug uh, output. The problem involved a lot of careful engineering. Frankly, our approach was to make sure we didn't fall in our face because the, the contest was uh, fully automated. You couldn't step in and rescue anything once it started. So once the finals were going on, you, you just had to sit back and watch it happen. So uh, uh, it, it involved a lot of care. In fact, one of the teams... Uh, started to fail and we thought we were well positioned to possibly win uh, come in first they recovered in uh, in time to in fact take first place but they they actually broke and somehow managed to recover after uh, some hiatus uh, so so we did uh, we did focus a lot on engineering Tim I want to kind of follow up to a certain extent on the the response you gave um, I think the Grand Challenge presented some unique opportunities to create some forward-leaning capabilities, or at least discover uh, and explore some forward-leaning capabilities around the whole software security space. One of the questions I want to ask you, why haven't software assurance capabilities kept pace with modern software systems? Yeah, I think that's a, a great question, Kevin. Uh, it's been relatively easy to invent and promote and get adopted innovations in programming languages and programming systems that enhance productivity and performance while ignoring issues of correctness, safety assurance, and security assurance. 
And the market has played a, a role in that. The market has preferred productivity and performance over assurance. And the programming languages and systems community has responded uh, with great creativity. Uh, the market has not insisted on high assurance, and therefore we've ended up with languages that don't lend themselves as well to, to assurance. Uh, so the assurance tool researchers have struggled to keep up with, in a sense, uh, the, the, the mess or the, or the assurance oblivious innovations that others have created. The market is now shifting and security is becoming uh, more of an issue. And that might actually hold back some of that innovation that has that we've been struggling to keep up with. So if you want concrete examples, uh, you know, it's well known in the programming languages field that type safe, statically type checked languages are of great assistance in making sure you have correct and, and uh, secured uh, systems. But that hasn't stopped people from inventing, you know, type unsafe and dynamically typed languages and hard to check languages like JavaScript, because those have been meeting these needs that the market has been asking for and, 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 and we're struggling to keep up. What is Grammatech doing in this area? What are some of the innovative R&D you're working on uh, to help uh, address some of these problems you just discussed? We're working on, as you well know, DHS Stamp, uh, where we're trying to deal with the proliferation of languages and um, and the need to keep up uh, with uh, uh, software assurance tools that address all of those different languages. And the, the challenge uh, for us in STAMP is what to factor out and do in common for a suite of uh, tools that could address all those languages and be used in common so that we could kind of jumpstart a next generation of uh, open source static analysis tools that would leverage a common infrastructure, whether that infrastructure be an intermediate representation or common user interface or common backend databases for recording um, uh, uh, user markup or whatever. But does so those are some of the things we're working on. So as you know, STAMP is kind of near and dear to my heart. STAMP stands for Static Tool Analysis Modernization Project, which was kind of uh, motivated and kind of um, influenced by uh, the need to kind of improve what we're doing from a static analysis standpoint. I think, you know, I've said this before, the fact that Heartbleed came about and none of the static analysis tools were able to identify the weakness that exposed the hard bleed vulnerability kind of amplifies the need to modernize uh, static analysis tools. And I kind of got the idea from HGTV where the property brothers, there's one brother that uh, looked for neglected homes. And there's another brother who takes funds and use the funds to renovate uh, the neglected homes. That's kind of how uh, stamp came about and really trying to look at you know, what are some key open source projects that we can take and leverage and modernize them to bring them up to par, to deal with some of the challenges in modern software. One of the questions I would like to know from you is, do you think this R&D is actually attainable, uh, specifically in terms of advancing state-of-the-art as it relates to static analysis capabilities? Oh, sure, sure. Uh, so uh, I, I think uh, it's a great project. And uh, as, as we both know, uh, the commercial 
static analysis tools uh, like our own, Code Sonar, and, and those of our competitors have kind of eclipsed the open source tools, uh, in part because there's been a tremendous uh, investment made in those proprietary tools. Uh, but we're involved in this to uh, see what we can f uh, leverage from our know-how uh, and what we can uh, rally around as a common infrastructure that, uh, that will address multiple tools all at once. So, for example, I, I alluded to this earlier. Uh, is there a common intermediate representation that, uh, that is emerging that could uh, serve for multiple languages? In the compiler field, it's very common to have uh, many different front ends, a common intermediate language, and then many different back ends for, for generating uh, machine code for different uh, uh, instruction set architecture. So M languages in, N object uh, uh, languages out. It's a very common architecture. So uh, to what extent can we do that for these static analysis tools uh, and kind of address many of the languages uh, uh, in one fell swoop, so to speak? Uh, so we are certainly thinking about uh, unifying a lot of the uh, static analysis around particular intermediate representations that can serve multiple languages. Similarly, a lot of the open source tools have not had very sophisticated user interfaces uh, uh, and back-end databases for recording results. And we know that the market demands that sort of thing. It's not enough just to have a tool that is a command line tool that gives you good results, but but the market expects uh, a lot more than that in terms of being able to record the results and then know when you rebuild, when you edit and rebuild and reanalyze uh, which results have already been triaged from the previous build. So what we do in this is we're, we're trying to think of this as a sort of end-to-end, -end, where do you get your return on investment from static analysis tools? Uh, where are the costs? Where are the benefits? Uh, and we're trying to demonstrate uh, sort of the best ROI um, that we can for static analysis tools. Also, while keeping in mind the idea that I, maybe I shouldn't speak for you, Kevin, but I'm assuming that you want to try and jumpstart an open source uh, activity. And that if we do this right, then the open source community will then be contributing. So we're laying a foundation whereby the open source community can then sort of jump on board and leverage what we've done to then have greater um, uh, effectiveness. So I, I think it's a, a challenging problem. Uh, you know, you, you're putting $8 million uh, out there for the, uh, the winner. Uh, and that sounds like a great deal of money, although we know from how much we've put into Code Sonar that, that uh, it, it, uh, it's not that much money when you want to address five to eight different programming languages, but it's, it's a, it's a worthy cause. And I think we're going to make a big impact. Yeah. I think for me, I think the realization that each tool is really good at, has a sweet spot and is really good at something. So I believe the, the sum of many is better than the sum of one. And if we can modernize around open source, one of the things that we'll do is help lower the bar and helping organizations formalize some aspects of software assurance in the organizations so that it can start 
uh, integrating this early into their continuous integration and the continuous delivery pipelines so we can create better software. Which leads me to uh, another question because I think one of the key benefits of a project like Stamp is tech transition. What has been the key to your success in terms of taking R&D and transitioning R&D to operational environments? So from the get-go, it was our intention that Gramatech be a research transition and commercialization company. It wasn't an afterthought. So I would say the second thing was persistence. We were, we were uh, single-minded in looking at every government solicitation and asking, how can we best respond with an approach to the problem that was being expressed that was consistent with our commercial vision and goals. Uh, typically, we would propose research that would leverage our existing commercial technology infrastructure as a laboratory apparatus. And then because we proposed to, to build on that established platform, the actual research we could propose could go a lot further because fewer of the funds needed to go toward the development of, of infrastructure. And this proved to be appealing to funding agencies, and we won contracts at a very high success rate. And then after delivering the research results to the government, say, as a separable plug-ins or something, we would then invest our sales revenues to integrate that research into the products, which then enhanced the platform that we could use for proposing uh, for, for the next uh, round of, of research. So it was, I, I would say that's something of our, of our model. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good, I should say, success story of how to take R&D and get it over the valley of death and get it into operational environments. Because, you know, taking computer science type research, a lot of a lot of researchers struggle with figuring out ways to tech transition, commercialize it uh, and really get it into the hands of end users to increase uh, the adoption. I think you guys kind of, you know, been very successful at doing that. Hey, Tim, it's been great talking to you. Keep up the good work, and uh, I'll see you around. Well, Kevin, thanks very much for the opportunity to talk to you. Well, I think we have to wrap it up here. I want to thank our guest today, Tim Tidemoff. We also want to thank our listeners for tuning into Cybersecurity Insights and Perspectives on FedScrew Radio with your host, Kevin Green. Until next time, peace.